Greetings, fellow adventurers, and welcome to the Couple of Nerds podcast. I'm D&D Wife, the creator of dndwifestories.com, and your co-host. Joining me is the man behind the screen, my brilliant dungeon master, and also my husband, Egile. Say hi, Egile. Hey, everyone. Excited to be here sharing our nerdy adventures with all of you. Absolutely. So what's Couple of Nerds all about? Well, we're diving into the realms of Extraeus, sharing our experiences, playing D&D in our apartment, and exploring the intricate tapestry of relationships both in and out of the game. And we got some exciting segments for you all. From lore deep dives to crafting tips, artwork showcases, and relationship advice on and off the table, we've got a little bit of everything for every kind of adventurer. So whether you're a seasoned adventurer or a tabletop newbie, we invite you to join us today. Tune in, relax, and enjoy the magic of Couple of Nerds. May your roles be natural 20s and your adventures be legendary. Ah, log entry 447. Dr. Matthias here, the ever-curious pursuer of knowledge stranded on this particular realm of extraeus. Today's focus is the intricate tapestry of life that inhabits this world, the Mirren and the Humes. An endless source of fascination, both in their individual uniquenesses and the potential they hold for my future clandestine experiments. Let us first peer into the convoluted history of the Humes. Born from the crystalline essence of some cosmic anomaly, their rapid evolution has led to an array of subspecies. The Dimmin, adaptable and elusive, the strom, towering and robust, the Kanon, birth from the forest, the Skega, subterranean Neanderthals, and then there's the standard Humes, the common yet various subject of my scrutiny. Their familiar disputes over their shared ancestry, though utterly trivial, provide me with endless entertainment. How blissfully ignorant they are on their interconnected cosmic origins. Imnaria, a land teeming with Hume subspecies, has become my primary focus. Each corner of its diverse landscape houses unique adaptations, the result of their incessant battles and territorial squabbles. Their disputes over lineage makes them the perfect specimen for my clandestine observations. It's truly amusing how they bicker and quarrel, oblivious to the interconnected web of their existence. Now on to the Mirren, a race of creatures spawned not from this cosmic essence, but from the very core of Extraeus itself. Soulless, their existence is merely utilitarian. Born of primal animals, their evolution has been sluggish, only recently achieving some semblance of what you could call an iron age. Primitives, yet strangely they are unified. The Mirren's innate bond and unspoken connection between subspecies is a peculiar phenomenon. Unlike the fractured Humes, the Mirren recognize that their strength lies in unity. This cohesion, though inconvenient, could be exploited for my future experiments. How curious that such primitive beings display a sense of unity that their more evolved counterparts lack. 
As my observations continue, the humes of Inaria remain the epicenter of my studies. Their unique properties, their impressive lifespans, and a strong physical constitution makes them ideal subjects for my experimentation. The secret locked within their very essence are the keys to unlocking the mysteries that still elude my return. Perhaps I can find others who see potential the use of this land as well. While staying in the shadows, I will manipulate the threads of Extraeus, weaving a narrative of discovery and experimentation. These creatures, unaware of their roles, dance unwittingly to the tune of my scholarly curiosity. As I navigate the labyrinth of Extraeus, my pursuit of knowledge and experimentation knows no bounds. End log entry 447. Dr. Matthias signing off. Soon the curtain will rise and the show will begin. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Couple of Nerds. I'm D&D wife, your host, and with me is my dungeon master, co-host, and husband, Iga. How's it going, everyone? <laughs> so welcome to episode eight, Lore Drop, Realms Unveiled, the Chronicles of the Hume and Marin in the Tapestry of Extraeus. Yeah, I mean, as my favorite doctor, Dr. Matthias, let us know there. Oh, <laughs> I know. Evil, he's, he's, mean person. I, yeah, but I mean, he's shaping up to be a pretty good antagonist. I hate him so much. Luna hates him so much. <laughs> but it, it's cool to have a doctor-like uh, entity out there in the world doing a little extra rec research for us. Yeah, but like, it's personal now. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure <laughs> we're going to get a lot more research notes from yeah. Dr. Matthias in the future. I'm sure he has a lot to say about the other races. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I can't imagine what he has to say about everyone else, but at least we now know what he thinks of the human, the mirror. Yeah, which obviously kicks us off when we thought would be the best place to start would be looking at the dynamics between our two unique races that we've created yeah. and that have diverged into these different subspecies that have kind of mirroring a little bit to Dungeons and Dragons, but has been reshaped into our own image. Uh, yeah, we wanted to create our, our own different uh, type of people, and they're kind of, uh, in in many cases, polar opposites of each other in ways of development. Oh yeah, and that's the cool thing about our our universe is that each of the species has its own unique method of growth and evolution. Yeah, it's really interesting to know, uh, you know, the Mirren are natural born creatures of the world. And so they, they were, they were uh, animals that evolved and became this, these more sentient beings. Yeah. I, I mean, the best way to look at it is very um, comparison to human evolution, essentially starting mm -hmm. off as a smaller creature growing growing and growing over what takes those hundreds millions eons of yeah time. they took the long way around they had to learn the hard way and and grow into into their you know what they are now which oh, yeah. is fully functioning civilizations yeah and and when you look in comparison to the Hume, mm -hmm. or as we like to call them the emisin yes and that's kind of more of the 
unifying term that mm-hmm. kind of encompasses all the subspecies of Hume. Yes. But the way that they were generated is through the creation story and this kind of big bang, but mm-hmm. a big bang of elder gods and these eldritch beings and everything that made our previous yeah, campaign. Yeah, they got blasted apart. Destroyed, right? Yeah. And so just these kind of shards of what looked like would be like spears of quartz and mm-hmm. moonstone just kind of scattered across the yeah, universe. Clear stone, but like glowing almost from within. Yeah, and so what ended up happening is as the kind of land masses were converging to create the planet known as Extraeus, mm-hmm. these shards struck the planet. Yeah, they rained down... And so when they hit the planet, they kind of broke into these different fragments Mm. and these fragments eventually shaped themselves into an amalgamation of what we would consider humans, a.k.a. Hume, and created now this being that essentially at its very core is this essence of divinity, essentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, they they have the little shards kind of encased in them, uh, in their souls. And that's kind of what generated the the beginning of of the soul, and 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 really it, it's this kind of magical battery, which is why almost every Hume starts out its entire existence as a sorcerer. They already have mm-hmm. this innate control over magic naturally. Yeah. That essentially toddlers are casting fifth level spells like it's a cantrip. Mm-hmm. In the early times, it, it, it was really hard to. To even regulate that kind of stuff because everybody could do everything from the get-go. And so as we spoke of, there's this time of Eden. And during Mm -hmm. that time, you had the Humes that essentially came into existence already perfect, nearly. Essentially, yes, because they were just templates of of creation magic raw creation magic. and so they essentially just had this opportunity to just learn and dive and learn more spells Mm -hmm. become more adapted to magic as well as the environment around them because the special unique property of a hume is actually adaptability Mm -hmm. so that shard in them as they are in environments that may struggle they will use that shard to adapt to any environment Yes, and, and it's that adaptability that, that kind of allows them to to transcend really far into leaps of, of exploration and, and ideas. Yeah, and whereas with the Mirren, mm-hmm. you, you see now, like, as we've started in the campaign, we're now seeing the Mirren now. In current era, they've barely hit the Iron Age. Yes, they're, they're starting to have the, you know higher civilization but it's really difficult they they each each because there are you know the different beast folk that are that are uh, make up amalgamations of the community they are a little bit fragmented but they're also unified in a way because they're all of the same land of the same people um and so while they are a little fragmented in their own different societies and a little separated from each other there is that unifying thought that we are all one Oh, yeah, and that's also the distinction between Humes, where each Hume views itself as this very individual person, mm-hmm. that their magic is their own because yes. it's, <clears throat> it comes from their body. So yep. that means they kind of have this more possessive feeling for their individuality, mm-hmm. whereas the Mirren come together as this community first yes. because they know that that's their strength, not the individual, but the group as a whole. Mm-hmm. So the tribes of different beast folk, they come together. Obviously, there are the lion folk and there are bird folk, different types of bird folk there's different types of aquatic folk as well oh, yeah. um and so uh th- they all have
have these different tribes, right, of each other. And so they are a little separate from one another, even though they are unified. And so sometimes they do run into issues. And this is why they're not maybe viewed as developed as the Hume. Yeah, I mean, they obviously understand that there are divisions. And like some of the issues you find is you have the differences of bird folk versus a ground type bird that's Mm -hmm. much smaller versus a hawk type bird folk so they're obviously going to be viewed as predator and prey Mm -hmm. and so even the mirroring understand that they are one unified community but they are also still creatures and beings of the world that might have to hunt each other from time to time yes you know the circle of life certainly keeps going and these are creatures that were once animals and have those instincts still within them uh, even though they are sentient and learning to kind of adapt you know a little like zootopia they're starting <laughs> to come together oh yeah um, <laughs> they can coexist mm-hmm. but you know it is difficult and they do they, they do have to kind of break that that sort of prey predator sort of dynamic and Mm -hmm. and and as we've learned as the story has progressed there's this terminology of lesser and greater mirin yes they do have those distinctions and it's really interesting to see that the the greater mirin value individual strength uh, whereas the lesser mirror tend to value strength in numbers, strength uh, in community. Yeah. And, and it tends to be obviously the weaker, mm-hmm. the kind of more prey type mirror fall into this an artificial category of lesser mirror. Yes. It, you know, sometimes they're unfairly categorized as lesser mirror just because uh, certain affiliations or because they, they hold certain uh, alliances with other uh, beast folk that are also considered lesser. Yeah, and it's kind of, the exa- again, the exact opposite when looking at the Humes mm-hmm. in that their abject individuality forced them actually to go through evolutionary changes. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. adaptability, that versatility created all of the different subspecies by their incessant need to separate from one another. Mm-hmm. So by spreading across the continents of Extraeus and going to the various extreme areas those environmental impacts actually change the very essence of the hume creating our subspecies some of which i've created which i've fallen in love with and you've created as well Mm -hmm. and we've kind of worked on some of these cool little idiosyncrasies that each of these subspecies has they've been awesome to talk about you know uh there are the hume that went to the mountains and became taller sturdier creatures that could withstand lower temperatures there were the hume that went and and went under the mountains you know yeah, so that obviously being the Storm mm. and that, you know, they have the, the biggest thing with them is they have these long kind of outstretched arms for a much more kind of adapted to climbing mountains, uh, much more barrel chested uh, that you would always experience with natural humans in higher elevations. They're more adapted to holding their breath for longer terms because they've adapted so much. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, talking in terms of the Skega, which mm-hmm. is our underground uh, civilization that have essentially gone blind. Yeah. But in doing so, have crazy echolocation. You can mm-hmm. hear the slightest noise. They can hear the stone cracking from miles away. Oh, that's awesome. And the cool thing about them is that they've adapted to being underground, that their skin has almost come become stone-like as well. Mm-hmm. And they've found a way to even consume gemstones and various crystals to keep themselves alive. Like food. Oh, yeah. And so they have no real need to return to the surface. They, they've completely, in fact, they're one of the few races that actually has no clue the reaping games ever occurred. Were they ever affected? No, because they were under, they were Nobody so knew. subterranean. Nobody actually knew that this race oh. exists. Oh, 
Oh, that's interesting. So do, do they have shards? Yes, they, they still technically are original humes. It's just obviously every time they adapt and the more adaption that occurs, the more that fragment is consumed in order to Create allow that, that change. Oh. So essentially, though they have these great physical abilities, their magical abilities have significantly diminished oh, okay. to create this kind of barrier. So then you also have even more unique ones like the Kanon. Mm. And they represent the nomadic tribes of the Humes. They mm. never could find a home they loved. They could mm. never find a location. But the problem is much of Ixtreus in the early life was just these large grasslands. Yeah, open plains. Open plains. Not a lot of food resources mm. or, or, or kind of the ability for nomads to survive. Yeah. And over time, their connection to the land, the trees, the nature, they saw that their physiology changed to be more plant-like. Mm -hmm. In fact, they have green skin, not for pigmentation, but it's actually through photosynthesis. Yeah. They've developed the ability now to live off of the sun's rays and very little moisture to now be in an environment where there is little resources. It no longer affects them. They've adapted past it. Oh, they're like pseudo plant people, but not. But not no just, beef. Yeah, it's what, just, yeah. What their what skin has, has adapted. Adapted. They've created. Their bodies have yeah. created these different ways to kind of adapt to the system. Yeah. And then you have like what we talk and 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 is gone. And a lot of the stories are Dimmin, which mm -hmm. are are kind of an amalgamation of a few of the characters and races of D and D. Yeah. But they represent the kind of ducking for cover they mm -hmm. are very paranoid very Skittish. scared yeah. and in doing so they have pushed their minds to the limit mm -hmm. so they've focused and their brains and their intelligence levels have grown to significant portions though their bodies have shrunk yes and they are much smaller standing mm -hmm. at most three to four foot at the most mm -hmm. at a crazy tall like you know, basketball player Dimon People would be four feet. Children. Yeah, yeah, they are very tiny creatures mm -hmm. with these larger heads because they focused on intelligence as being the strongest. Not magic, but intelligence. Yes, they they actually shun magic. They don't yeah. like it. They are our technopaths. Yes. They are our ones. The these are the guys creating all our technology mm -hmm. in Extraeus and they're our people to very much watch out for Silicon Valley, baby. But just like <laughs> there are so many uniquenesses in the Hume that was created from the shards and their adaption, there are very very unique subspecies within the mirror as well right uh, yes they're they're like we were talking about there's the burrowing bird folk that that don't fly they can't and it's not magic too no like they don't have magic it's very rare to see a mirror with magic they usually don't the ones that do it's more of a shamanic type of magic mm -hmm. uh, it's more of a, a of a conduition of the land which is what we call like primal magic yes yeah it's definitely a raw style of magic so if it's healing it's a very raw type of healing it's not going to be perfect and it's it's not going to be seamless nuts and berries and twigs you know, you know. mashed together yeah. to create a poultice that's It'll you work, know, but it's, it's yeah. not the greatest you know as opposed to like medicine but some of the mirror i mean they can like shape the ground yeah you know the and it's not so much that they shape the ground but rather because they're so in tune with the earth and the land around them because they're mirroring they the land moves around them for them it, it acquiesces to them because yeah. it loves them so much. And that's what's cool is that they 
have magic, but don't really have magic. Yeah, so there's it's no not spell, their magic. There's no counter spell. No. There's no component. No. They just no chanting. It, they just will it to be. Mm-hmm. It just happens naturally because it's a sort of symbiotic relationship with the land. Uh, and so they benefit from each other. Same thing with the bird folk that do fly. They have a special connection to the wind so they can fly for super long periods of time. Yeah, and that's and that's the cool thing too about the uniqueness also of the Mirren is that each next of their generation is stronger than the next because they mm-hmm. impart their knowledge, they impart yes. their wisdom, their skills, their strengths, which is why they grow so much. Mm-hmm. But that's, again, what causes this cool kind of dichotomy between the human and the Mirren because it's the exact opposite once again. And it really what it comes down to is the cosmic shards. Yes. And how much of an impact that plays, not only in the mechanical aspect of our story, Mm -hmm. but also in the lore as well. Um, And the big thing is that these shards are still occurring even in the modern story. Uh, You guys have already discovered that Mm -hmm. there's a deity that's being kind of affiliated with with these shards. Yes. Because there are still these kind of sun or star showers and there are these kind of essences where mm-hmm. meteors are striking the planet yeah but we all kind of know it's just more of this cosmic force mm-hmm. entering the world we, we know that in the early in the early times there was a huge shower of of those shards oh, it was like raining but for they never months. really stopped they're always either individual or every now and then spread across the world and sometimes there are meteor showers or shard showers yeah where it is quite a few falling and, uh, to the planet and that's kind of the interesting thing is that so another aspect with humes is that when they give birth mm-hmm. their progeny kind of share not the maximum amount of how large, because they obviously don't take it from their parents, but they kind of get the max they can get from however their parents have. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of this prioritization on the strongest of the strong having as many children as they... I mean, we're talking 15, 16, 20, as many kids as they can have, because (laughs) this was the only way to ensure that these... The strongest make it out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that created this cool uniqueness is because the mirror, it's the exact opposite. But the one unique caveat is mm-hmm. that during these star showers, these kind of meteor strikes, anyone can be impacted by this. Yes. And that's what we're seeing kind of these unique occurrences within the, even in the Mirren, mm-hmm. in that some of them are having abilities they should never have had in the first yes, place. Yes, because maybe one of those shards hit them. And and who knows what kind of evolutions, as we know that these cosmic shards provide this unique adaptability aspect. Mm-hmm. So what happens when we start seeing more tag teaming on the other species? Yeah. We could see some crazy new changes. And, and these shards don't like rip you apart like a normal meteor would. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> they go into, like they find the nearest, most Completely adaptable host. And they go to it and fall into them. Uh, and For good or bad, too, because yes. that's the problem is that they're not, it's not like these seek thine true heroes. No. <laughs> yes, or it, the best. It's anything that happens to be a receptacle that can mm-hmm. hold it. It has to be something living, though. Yeah. So that's also a caveat mm-hmm. in that other creatures can also gain these abilities themselves. It could and, be a normal animal. Yeah, you that know? suddenly gains sentience because mm-hmm. it was struck by a large enough fraction that it, it becomes powerful and yeah. now can cast magical spells and, and now talk. you've got like a sentient guardian of a forest or something you know yeah so so within within the mirror 
communities, it's viewed as this kind of curse almost mm. because to have these unique abilities means you're different. Yes. And whatever different needs to be shunned. It needs to be pushed out. It's mm -hmm. dangerous to the group. But then you have the Humes on the other hand. Uh, they embrace the magic because they're so adaptable to it. The, the Hume that don't uh, adapt to, to their yeah, environment. I mean, they've started to base an entire religion mm -hmm. just around being... Watching the skies to predict when the next meteor will come to be to there. To see if you can catch And to one. hopefully be recharged. And mm -hmm. that now your future is set in stone because you're going to have hundreds of babies because now you're powerful. Yeah, these are starting to become little shard festivals where people try and catch them one. Yeah. And, and of course, during the time of Eden was when all this was allowed to just grow. It was just expansion and discovery. Mm -hmm. and, and no one kind of experienced more than that than the Humes because they had this adaptability. They had this way of being able to go and learn and reach the stars. But then you had the, the Mirren who couldn't they uh, yeah. had to go the long way they had to struggle mm -hmm. and so when the reaping games occurred it was a totally different story for the two races yeah the the mirren were largely untouched by the the demon forces Didn't. or the fey forces there there was no soul no shard to fight over they were viewed as these inferior not they were beasts in the minds of these greater beings who thought they were the best and so why would they bother with no. beast people and then you had these ripe for the taking humes that have mm -hmm. spread themselves out and broken and their so connections. So many juicy little tidbits, and just found that it was just easy to manipulate mm -hmm. and control and destroy and dominate the hume colonies because none of them worked together. They didn't yeah. care. They have no unity, no community. Whereas the Mirren were very organized, very much together. Yeah, for the for the ones that were looked down for just having spears and and very light armor, mm -hmm. were the ones that actually came out the cleanest out of the reaping games. Yeah, and because they're you know they're sort of these more in instinctual creatures of the land, they don't fall for for the uh, the sort of uh, tricks of the fae or the demon to to bring you in to lure yeah, you in. They don't have that sense of greed. No, or, they understand danger yeah, when they smell not, it. They're or not going to try to to instigate mm -mm. stuff. They are safe in their own home. They don't expand. They have no will to get more land. No, there's no need to. No, there's nothing to exploit about the mirror, and that's what's so great about mm -hmm. them. You know, they're such a, a diamond in the rough that even the other races have ignored. Yeah, it's only now that the the humor even trying to set a foothold on the Marin continent oh, yeah, and even attempting era. to learn even a little bit about them. And then what we had was what we saw though is that during the Reaping Games, at the very after about fifty years of mm -hmm. suffering, was the first time that some of the races finally were like, okay. We need to come together. Mm -hmm. This is only going to work if we all come together. And it yes. was the first time in the actual history of the world where all of the races were called upon to send a champion mm -hmm. in order to defend the planet. And unify for and once. everyone for once was communicating together. Mm -hmm. And it went horribly wrong. It just blew up in their faces. And as we heard, the Scalekin and the Mirren were the traitors. They interfered and they caused all this backlash. Yep, that's the story. Which, unfortunately, no one 
yet knows why mm-hmm. and because no one from that time exists right now yeah no, um, nobody at least that we know of was alive in that time so hopefully you know that information in future lore drops will be revealed as mm-hmm. it is discovered um but it is something always to look into as you know the one time that they tried to come together and again the mirror and and the other scalekin races are the ones blamed yep you know, it's it's interesting that it's always kind of the outsiders that get pushed right, and and, pushed just, out and, and so blamed. I think that that's always that cool dichotomy mm-hmm. of creating races that and and species that kind of work with our real world kind of thoughts, but also create new dynamics we can explore. Yeah, and that was the cool thing about the division and the mm-hmm. kind of differences between the Hume and the Mirren. Yeah, and you know, not not all of them hold the, the those ideas that are so entrenched. A lot of them are actually fighting and trying to. Change. Go Tony. Yeah, the way that both the Hume and the Mirren think, you know, people are trying to to change it's, and adapt better. It's you know, being that it's been about two hundred and fifty years since the Reaping Games mm-hmm. was shunted, it, it, you know, it's finally taken this long for the races and it just finally kind of go, okay, it, it's time to start bringing it back together. Yeah. And what the interesting thing too is that we have another unique instance in that. Through the Reaping Games, Mm -hmm. a whole new subspecies was born. Yes, completely as a consequence of the Reaping Games, specifically. Yeah, and these these we called the Hellscar. Mm -hmm. And it was through the fact that the Humes have this innate versatility The adaptability, yeah. The adapt. Through the influence of the demonic area, just being influenced by their presence, they mm-hmm. actually unwittingly adapted to that energy, but it changed them horribly. Yes. In areas where, where you know, demonic energy was at its peak, these humes would adapt and, and they would look like the, the demons, they you would, know, they would grow horns, tails, hooves. They would have kind of off-colored skin. Mm-hmm. Some of them, their scholaras would be a different color, yes. uh, you know, similar to other race types of D&D, but mm-hmm. a very different take on it in that their entire culture, though, is very much on absolution for what they literally had no control over, which was their creation. Yes, but they still feel so horrible about it. And they they do not ever... It is very rare to see a Hellscard that is truly evil. They they are very religious, very superstitious. And they don't, uh, you know, they, they don't like any sort of idea that a demon might take over them. Yeah, and they go through great lengths to avoid that. So one of the things they all wear from birth is they wear these iron-clad armors. And in those armors that they wear and they modify these armors as mm-hmm. they grow, they put more kind of chinks and lengths and, and other attachments to as they grow in size. But in that armor are just runes and enchantments to prevent demonic possession, yes. demonic influence anything they can do whether they work or not it doesn't matter they want to do everything in their power to avoid any sort of demonic influence yeah they they don't want to be responsible for you know people getting hurt they don't want to be the ones that get taken over and destroy an entire city or town Uh, and so they take these precautions very seriously I, i mean they take it so seriously that they 
carry little vials of holy water with them everywhere they go and they splash it on anybody they see and i mean anybody yeah i kind of want i I debate whether they'll have like super soakers eventually (laughs) where they just like spray it out of the something because they will never go without it you know when i originally wrote that i didn't actually think it was going to be such a big deal Mm. until as we'll learn later one of our particular players it actually is something very bad for him. Yes, unfortunately, he happens to be susceptible to and holy water. I and... didn't plan that at all. It just literally, that's what I love about D&D. Mm-hmm. It just plays itself sometimes. <laughs> it caused a bit of an issue. And unfortunately, it did kind of solidify their belief in holy water being this like good detector of demonic energy uh, whether that's true or not you know is a different story but now now there is this kind of growing belief in it yeah um so i mean but it's one of those things where like their whole existence has only been probably some 250 years at this point so they are yeah. such this new subspecies to an ex- to an existing species that has existed since creation mm-hmm. you know everybody else has had hundreds of years and they have history before the reaping games not that many remember it but you know they've been around longer whereas the hell's card have a very short time yeah and true and and then the other thing too is that they're also not the only of these new created races oh. as there obviously is also the opposite uh, you don't know anything about this yet because I've been kind of developing it. To create a ghost I, kind, species kind, of that means. You know, I got to hide things every now and then. <laughs> and, and it allows for these kind of unique things to come out of nowhere. But, I mean, it makes sense that there would be a... Yeah. And, you know, an opposite. Right. I, I, so so we'll learn more. And obviously we haven't encountered any of those yet. No. So we're waiting to unveil those mm-hmm. once we get a little more into the story mm-hmm. um but what we really always want to say is that you know the biggest thing about this is we want to share this story but mm-hmm. if you have any more questions we always invite you to come on over to our discord ask us any questions whether it's D related extraeus related whether it's video game related we'll try our best but yeah. we're we're really just building a community where people can come together and talk and discuss whatever nerdy pleasures we have mm-hmm. so if you guys got anything to share go to our discord channel you can find the link on dndwifestories.com that's my blog uh and you just link click the link and it'll take you immediately to it and really with these these experiences of, of these lore drops is really just us showing you how just simple walking through different stories and different examples, you can build your own universe. You don't have to necessarily change everything that you love about D&D or whatnot. Mm-hmm. You can just make these changes and adapts, adaptions that are fit your world, fit your new kind of creation. And it's as simple as just writing it down and start putting ideas on paper and that's really what we started with a little notebook that my wife would pull out anytime (laughs) i came up with a crazy idea about hey what if they lived in the ground in these corkscrew things and it it becomes the world and it shapes Mm -hmm. itself you know it's really nice to see that kind of just naturally occur and it and it doesn't happen right away this is a year long kind of project and it's still ongoing so the world is by no means completed uh, you know. and that's and that's kind of the our our fundamental belief when it comes to extraeus mm-hmm. is that our belief is that we are trying to create a world that not only is created by us but also a community of people so that you guys can come and tell us hey i'd like to what if we made this npc heck yeah we're gonna bring it into extraeus we'll yeah. see what the travelers do when they run into it and mm-hmm. you can hear all about it 
But we think that's a unique thing in that everyone can help build Extraeus. It is mm-hmm. a large world, people. We need every bit of help and advice we can get. Yeah. And you could build a city, a town, a people, a play, everything, and help us and have your own mark in this fantasy world that mm-hmm. we can all go to together. Yeah, we'll see what we can set up. But, you know, we have upcoming episodes, too, of Lord We're Rock. not going to be stopping. we no. got a lot of stuff to cover. There are more species out there, and some of these are very elusive species. And which ones are we doing next? We are doing the Scalekin and the LM species. Yeah, see, the Scalekin is near and dear to mine. That's the main mm-hmm. one that I've been working on for so time. And the Elm was your child yeah. of creation, which mm-hmm. even I don't know the exact details. And I'm the DM, but we haven't quite gotten everything because we also haven't seen them in the world they are very elusive they live on their own separate continent and it is very difficult to travel there yeah they it's it's just kind of again these dichotomies between our races that Mm -hmm. create a very uniqueness to each one though there aren't tons of them each one is very unique, yes. and especially the scale can. They're one of the most unique that I they're like. They're fun. They're, they're a very interesting species. Yeah. So hopefully you all will join us next. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, we're doing two episodes a week now. I, I, this is our yeah, first to be able be so to reveal. Fun. This is our first Saturday episode. Mm-hmm. So I do want to be excited about that. Yeah. So thank you so um, much for joining us and for I'm this. Ho- yeah. I'm hoping everyone enjoys listening to us and mm-hmm. that they, can, they want more. Yeah. And so we can get more of this content. So you don't have to wait six weeks to get another lore drop it's only going to oh, be every other couple of weeks mm-hmm. and then more information more for everybody and hopefully you guys stick with us through it and we appreciate every listen that we get and we thank you guys so much yep thank you very much and that concludes today's journey through the realm of couple of nerds we hope you had a blast exploring the intricate world of extraeus don't miss out on the visual extravaganza over at our YouTube page at Couple of Nerds Podcast. It's where the magic comes to life with exclusive video segments, art previews, and a peek behind the curtain. Dive deeper into our adventures by visiting dndwifestories.com, your haven for all our podcast transcripts and a treasure trove of content dedicated to the captivating universe of Extraeus. Your unwavering support is our greatest treasure. Take a moment to weave your thoughts into a review and hit that subscribe button for an enchanting journey with a couple of nerds. Join us beyond the podcast in the Extraeus Project Discord. Connect with us, the creators, and even the travelers themselves. Witness the magic unfold in live drawing streams, game alongside us, and step into our digital tavern, the Bard's Haven. Share your stories and characters with fellow adventurers. Visit dndwifestories.com for the link to join our vibrant community. Stay tuned for more tales, more laughs, and more insight into the world of tabletop gaming. Until then, may your dice be kind, your campaigns epic, and your adventures legendary.